Hey everyone, before we start the show, I just want to let you know that if you enjoy the Dare Daniel podcast, if you like the work we're doing here, you can help us grow the show by making a donation through the Dare Daniel website. Your generous contributions will help offset the cost of producing the show and will also enable long-term projects. You can make a one-time payment or set up a monthly subscription. Any amount helps and it's really greatly appreciated. Thanks a lot and here's the show. up to all Gen X roadkill on the superhighway of progress. You are listening to the Dare Daniel podcast where you send us your most sinister movie dares. We, we're the ones who suffer the consequences for your amusement. I'm Corky McDonald and my homeostasis is at 69.0, baby. With me as always is my main man, Daniel Barnes, a member of the San Francisco Film Critics Circle. Hi everyone, as Corky said on this show, we do your dirty work by watching the most unwatchable movies you can imagine. And then we review and rate them on our unique system. We give a run-of-the-mill bad film a dare. We give the double dare to those truly atrocious movies. And we reserve the reverse dare for a despised movie that is actually pretty good. Today on the podcast, we have hermetically sealed ourselves inside this pristine environment of Johnny's recording room because we watch the environmentally unconscious comedy Biodome. But before we get started into all that, Daniel's going to tell us about the beer we'll be drinking during the show. Uh, as usual, we're recording the show very early in the morning on Sunday morning. So I figured, how about some bacon and eggs with our recording? So I brought Pizza Port's Bacon and Eggs Imperial Coffee Porter, uh, made with Bird Rock Coffee Roasters Coffee. It's 8% Imperial Porter. This is a very delicious beer. I wasn't ready for this. It has bacon and eggs on the, on the can, but this is just a nice, creamy porter. Yeah, absolutely. With some really good coffee in it. And this is Pizza Port out of Carlsbad, California. So I like another, this. Uh, really good one by them. One they've been making for a long time at Pizza Port. Nice. This dare came to us from the weasel. It came from the actual weasel. This is one of our wormhole dares. Yeah, this is. It's a wormhole dare. It's a weasel hole. <laughs> it's a weasel dare. Now, I'm not going to do the voice, but the weasel's dare goes like this. This movie gave Al Gore meaning to his life. You're not going to do the voice? I'm not going to do no. the voice. This movie, I almost, I almost went into it. I fucking, I almost went into it. This movie gave Al Gore meaning to his life, as is well known. Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin saved the earth with cigarette butts while earning the respect of some sexy doctors and their girlfriends. <laughs> that makes it sound like the doctors have girlfriends. Yeah. Weasel, we got to work on your uh, syntax, pal. The IMDb synopsis, Internet Movie Database. No, that's I am motherfucking Daniel Barnes. Moronic best friends get themselves locked inside the Biodome, a science experiment, along with a group of environmental scientists for one year. So, Quirky, if you remember back in episode 18, I think 19. it was, 19, yeah. we reviewed a little movie called Ready to Rumble. Oh, boy. About a couple of bonehead heroes, you know, one the relatively straight one and one the complete spaz out, although sure. really they were both complete they, spaz outs. Yeah. Uh, and their adventures in trying to redeem their their wrestling hero. Well, these are very comparable heroes, I think, in our latest film, Biodome, mm -hmm. uh, which came out five years earlier. So maybe just a huge influence sure. <laughs> on that film. Uh, this movie, of course, stars Polly Shore and Stephen Baldwin in White Dreads uh, as... Tucson... They're described as junior college students from Tucson. But they're really just very, very stupid 
bro uh, heroes, the the bro heroes of these uh, lowbrow comedy. They're thirteen year olds. Yes, exactly. They're thirteen year olds played by a twenty eight and a thirty year old. So the film was directed by Jason Bloom. Uh, in addition to the amazing lead cast, uh, I mean, you're above the title. You're, right. you're killing it right there. You also have William Atherton mm-hmm. playing a jerk scientist. What? The what? guy from Real Genius plays a jerk William scientist. Atherton's playing a prick? A colossal <laughs> prick in a movie? Crazy, right? There's also supporting roles for Kylie Minogue, Rose McGowan, and Joey Lauren Adams, who's credited here as Joey Adams. And cameos by Roger Clinton and Patricia Hearst. <laughs> it also marks the first on-screen appearance of Tenacious D. This yeah. is like the most mid-90s movie that has uh, ever happened. And all of the music in this movie is really shitty mid-90s punk music. Very with a so. few, you know, obvious exceptions. The film was released January 12, 1996 in 1,510 theaters. Opened in ninth place at the box office. Ended up grossing $13 million domestically against a budget of $15 million. Critic scores on Rotten Tomato, it has a four. On Metacritic, <laughs> Metacritic, one. <laughs> one out of 100. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> but despite this, Stephen Baldwin has said that he gets recognized more for his role in Biodome than any other film he has done, which, first of all, ouch yeah. for your career. Quite the cell phone. Ouch for your whole, everything you've done with your life. <laughs> Um, it's also the reason why in December 2013, Stephen Baldwin claimed that he and Polly Shore were in talks for a sequel that would revolve around Bud and Doyle's children. Those are the uh, characters they play in the film, Bud and Doyle. Shockingly, those plans did not bear fruit. Really? The studios just aren't supporting independent films like they used to. Such a shame. Uh, artistic visions out the window. It's all just comic book movies now. Uh, Corky, let me ask you this. Biodome 2. Mm. Are you in for a sequel, a threequel, franchise? Stop me when I get to the place that you wanted the Biodome movies to land. I see a five-movie package of the Biodome <laughs> experience. Because we're going to other worlds in the sequels. We're, we're doing Biodome on Mars. Uh, Biodome in the hood. Biodome in the hood. <laughs> Biodome 2, Back to the Dome. Uh yeah no this movie we said it was released January twelfth this movie was excreted yeah January twelfth nineteen ninety six I I'm so mad at this dare this this dare got me mad yeah because I'm mad su- at the weasel I've successfully who is the star of the film and also the producer yeah I saw that weasel productions <laughs> weasel productions really hitting that home huh. <laughs> Uh, I've stayed away from this movie for 22 sure. years. You yeah. know, every three. It was it was obvious to never watch this movie, but now I have to. You'd watched it, yeah, and you liked it. Sign me the fuck up. <laughs> yes. for sequel after sequel. <laughs> sequel just like one a year for the rest of your life, basically. At, at, at least <laughs> I want a Netflix spinoff too of all the tertiary characters. Yeah, I gotta say, I went on a I went on a bit of a journey with this movie. Mm-hmm. I really went on. A bit of a journey. I, I opened uh, by despising it because, sure. uh, as we'll get into, from the very first milliseconds of this movie, uh, all of the images are assaultive and all of the sounds are abrasive. It's just a, a, an incredibly in-your-face, annoying movie. It's like a kid on an airplane just screaming in your face and you're stuck on the plane with him for these, these two hours. So I started by despising it. But then I kind of started loathing it. Sure. 
Then I just hated it. Okay. Then I was like, this is kind of okay. <laughs> Back to loathing it. Then I just had contempt for it. Yeah. And for anyone who liked it. But I got to say, at the end of the day, I kind of hated it, <laughs> but I didn't hate it. <laughs> Does that make sense? Not at all. No. I'm glad to hear about your journey of personal growth. It was a experience. real journey. It was a You're, real journey. You are a different person for coming out of I the I landed Bible. at not liking it. But mm. I got to say, I really did not hate it. Um, I think, as if we're going to compare it to Ready to Rumble, if you're going to do something like this, seriously commit to it. Like, if you're going to go for it where you're spazzing out in every scene and you're a complete bonehead, really, really go for it. In Ready to Rumble... That's some half-assed going for it. Wow. They are going for it See, here I, in, in, every, in every sense of the word. I am Bad the inverse. and good. I am the inverse <laughs> of that. I did compare it to Ready to Rumble because how can you not to juvenile protagonists? Yeah. However, in Ready to Rumble, they at least had a, a, a focus, a central point that wrestling was their passion. It, exactly. It tied that in. Exactly. In this, they're just shitheads for the sake of being shitheads. That's what I'm saying. That's <laughs> real freaking commitment. That's not like, let's humanize these characters. Let's give them something to like to normalize them in any kind of a way or ground them in any kind of a reality. This, these guys are complete fucking psychopaths, and this this reality that they're in is just complete nonsense. So anyway, let's get into it. Sure. Biodome. Biodome. Starring. Polly Shore. Polly Shore as Bud? Bud McIntosh. He's, he's Bud. He's credited on IMDb. <laughs> Stephen Baldwin is Doyle. Doyle Johnson. Doyle Johnson. You never hear them refer to them each other as those names. <laughs> they are the squirrel. And the stub throughout this movie. <laughs> so, as I said, right away, just from the opening credits, oh. it is just, there's all these like crazy quick cuts. There's like this 90s uh, punk music going on. There's just all these like really annoying sound effects. There's all of this 90s stuff where it's whooshing out and whooshing and whooshing from side to side and it's it's cut really quickly it's super irritating the credit font types are missized it looks like a ransom letter like and they, there's like six Polish layers of the same on screen name yet in this movie is crazy i annoying. was immediately transported back to my parents rec room in the mid 90s <laughs> watching mtv because that's just what a lot watching liquid tv on mtv that's what the, all this looks like yeah it, it does it does look like early 90s mtv yeah you're absolutely right so it starts with this environmental scare movie sort of <laughs> about how you know the environment is gonna kill us all um, but they've created this space station on earth called the biodome that is right. in arizona which is where our heroes live which is only referred to like one time that they're from tucson and it's somebody else mentioning that they're from tucson henry gibson yeah we meet William Atherton, he's Dr. Noah Faulkner. He's in this environmental scare movie. And you can ob obviously find out who's going to be the bad guy in this movie. Who's the, who's the stuffy scientist in this movie? Exactly. And he has like, a, he's wearing a wig that is like this sort of gross long hair. Yes. He looks like a magician wearing a jumpsuit. <laughs> and this is around the time of the real biosphere. That's right. Yeah, this was a thing. Which was scientists who actually did seal themselves inside this uh, enclosed environment to do science experiments for a year. When I saw William Atherton, I was thinking like, do you think... Because he's a, he's a very renowned character actor, bad guy. 
Right. And he gets always he always gets shown up in movies. Yeah. Do you think those guys have glory days? Like he's on set and he's like, I was shown up by Bill Murray. <laughs> I was shown up by Val Kilmer when he was at the height of his powers. I now was even Baldwin. I got butt fucked on national TV by Bruce Willis. <laughs> now Stephen Baldwin, I gotta play second banana to this chimp. So now we, we do meet our heroes, uh, Bud and Doyle, and they're playing rock, paper, scissors, mm. and uh, Doyle loses. Doyle is Stephen Baldwin. So Bud takes a dictionary, runs into the room, and smashes him on the head with a dictionary. Yep. Which at first we have no idea what the fuck is actually happening. And everything is just, they are like, it's really hard to describe, but all I can say is they are basically just spazzing out in every single scene. And it is like if you gave... 10-year-old boys, just like a mountain of soda and candy. Like, this is what you would get. No, if you gave 10-year-old boys meth <laughs> and deprived them of any social interaction for a year, this Cut is what you oxygen. would get. If you had feral children, put them in bowling shirts, injected them with methamphetamines, this is what you would get. But more restrained, less restrained than that. Exactly. So... As it turns out, this is all an excuse to get out of going to an Earth Day event with their girlfriends. Uh, one of the girlfriends is played by Joey Adams. Yep. Uh, Joey Lauren Adams. She's credited as Joey Adams. And bless her heart, she does not wear a bra in one scene in this <laughs> no, entire film. A, their girlfriends are blonde and brunette. That's yeah, their names. That's all you really need to know about them. They're <laughs> yeah. just It's Betty and Veronica. The, the thing is, I hated them just as much as I hated... Wheeze and fucking chimp boy because they are the female versions of them. They are preening teenage girls. Yeah. Anytime you see them, they're 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 walking, they're giggling with each other. Right. These are not grown women. But they love that environment, baby. They, they love that, and they're very passionate about the environment. Almost as much as they love these two wasteoids who are smacking <laughs> a book onto each other's face. So the girlfriends figure out this is all a plan to not go to an Earth Day event with their girlfriends. So they take off, um, and they talk about how you know how are we hanging out with these losers? And at one point, uh, Joey Adams, who I think is. That's Bud's girlfriend, right? That's, yeah. That's, Polly that's, Shore's yes, girlfriend. That's yeah. The squirrel. There's talk about how, well, didn't you say that uh, his yoga, you really like how he's doing all this yoga? And she says, there's something about a man who can lick his own back. Right. All right. So now. That's a fucking dialogue <laughs> in this movie, That's man. It. So now we go back to uh, Bud and Doyle, and they're just hanging out on the couch. Pauly Shore is eating, he's chewing his toenails, but then he sticks his other foot in Doyle's mouth, and Doyle starts eating his toenails as well. I mean, yeah. <laughs> Why not? Right? You got to do something. Just thank you to just all, you know, uh, D.W. Griffith and yeah. uh, just all the people who made cinema possible. So the girlfriends decide they're going to make these guys jealous. So they tell them that they're hanging out with swimmers. At some environmental cleanup at the lake. Guys from Arizona Tech. Yeah. So they take off to go to this lake. Uh, along the way, they're like killing small animals. Yep. Um, really endearing people. Just what serial killers do, but you know, whatever. So, so Doyle has to go to the bathroom, and he decides he cannot cork it. So they they drive by the biodome and they think that it's a, a new mall. Yes. So they go to this new mall, and outside we see Henry Gibson, who is the leader of this science project. We see William Atherton, 
and his crew who are all in jumpsuits. Henry Gibson is, I guess, like the financier of the project or whatever. He's introducing at uh, a water hazard on a golf course the Biodome Five, who are going to be the scientists who are locked inside the Biodome for a year. Yeah, <laughs> water hazard on a golf course. <laughs> that's where the speech is that's happening. That's a good call, right? <laughs> And the funny thing is, it looks like it really was probably shot at a mall. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so they set off some fireworks to distract everybody and sneak into the building, which they still think is a mall, uh, to use the bathroom, even though people are holding a press conference outside. <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't even think about that. They had to sneak into a mall. So they're going to be, everyone's going to be sealed inside of this thing for one year. And just as everyone is sealed inside and they're waving out the door, down comes Bud and Doyle and they're sealed inside as well. And the press is all, all there shooting it. So they decide, Henry Gibson decides to tell the press that this is a surprise and yeah. that these two are special scientists who are going to be taking part in this thing for a year. My one laugh at this movie was at this point when, uh, they get locked in, and, and there's a fly flying around, and not Bud. Doyle kills it. The stub yeah. kills it. And then it freaks out the scientists. <laughs> but then he eats it. And the only part I laughed at was that Pauly Shore then takes a little swipe of the fly and then rubs his gums on it like a Coke thing. <laughs> I was like, oh, drug reference. All right, I, I'm, I'm on board. It's, it's the nuances of the wheeze that we all appreciate. <laughs> the, the wheeze layers. <laughs> It's subtle. It's subtle. so many layers of the wheeze. So yeah, these guys find out that they're going to have to stay in here for a year, which you know they're idiots, so they're not really that bothered by it. So I didn't get this. All the scientists and everybody's is obviously like this is a fucking horrible this is idea. A bad idea, right? We just did this. We can unlock it. We can just get these guys let out. out. Boom. Uh, but William Atherton, aka Doctor Faulkner, Doctor right. No Fuck, for some reason he's like with it, right? From the very beginning, it's like that didn't pay off. No. There's no, there's no ulterior motive to, for him to go, this colossal fuck-up idea, sure, let's go with that. This is not one of those movies where things are going to pay off no. <laughs> at all. Wait, the Rochambeau pays off. Oh my. I, we tipped that a little bit. <laughs> so they, the guys are going to have to stay the night. They don't have a bedroom for them, though. So they have to like sleep on the floor in, in a closet or something like that, or a supply closet or something like that. So we forgot to mention that... Amongst the crew, there yeah. are these two sexy female scientists. Of course. Which, again, you don't really need to know anything about them or their names. Nope. It never comes up. It doesn't matter. Basically, one is Kylie Minogue, and then one is not Kylie Minogue. <laughs> yes. The the only thing you need to know is that two of the scientists out of the five look very good in short shorts. <laughs> Absolutely. And are prone to, like, taking swims in yeah. the lagoon that po is in this science experiment. Suits. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. How do our heroes, quote-unquote heroes of this movie, celebrate their first night being locked in this biodome? Well, they don't have a bed, so they want to get a bed. So what do they do? They each crawl into these women's beds they sexually in the assault. middle of the night in, essentially, yes, a rape scene yes. set to I Want Candy. They sneak into these hot scientist beds and then try, try to start making out with these... Like unconscious women groping up on them and spooning them and groping. Yeah. How is it treated? It's treated with a wacky doors open. They get thrown out scene and then they celebrate. Oh yeah. Oh boy. Oh boy. Yeah. Big reactions. A lot of big reactions in this movie. But what I like in this movie is that this biodome, right? This is as stated a purely rainforest environment. <laughs> unlike the outside world. The, the, this cannot exist anymore in the outside world. Right. The, the homeostasis, whatever that is, yes. is 100% in this place. However, they've introduced scope, 
toothpaste, <laughs> all kinds of plastics, shit they brought in with them yeah, from the right. outside world that would not exist in the rainforest. <laughs> Yeah, so there's actually several regions of the biodome. So right. uh, William Atherton's Dr. Faulkner takes Bud and Doyle on a little tour of the biodome. Uh, the biodome needs to stay at a homeostasis of 100%, yeah. which, whatever, it's just a ticking, 1. It's a ticking number thing. Sure. 100 is good and low is bad. Yeah, uh, Dr. Faulkner has to go do something really quick which that is never explained but he has to like run away while they're up on some catwalk and he's like don't move at which point of course they're basically six-year-olds on meth like you said so they're like i will literally not move and stephen baldwin says that he has quote a wicked itch on my nads which he can't scratch because he can't move but then they've he has to scratch and so they're like okay well we're moving around now so they just start running around Causing trouble, basically. Dancing about and hitting their heads on things and smashing each other with things. It's, and it's fucking ridiculous, man. This is funny to seven-year-olds. They walk up upon the one of the hot scientists is swimming. So what's interesting is that, as you said, they, they basically go into these women's room and assault them. Yeah. This effectively pairs them off. <laughs> <laughs> because now Bud is is constantly running into Kylie Minogue and they're flirting and then Doyle is running into not Kylie Minogue yeah. and they're flirting. So uh, Doyle comes upon not Kylie Minogue swimming in the lagoon and they have a little flirtatious thing going on. Flirting by way of harassing and getting rejected. Yeah. And Polly Shore... women trying to do their jobs. Bud literally is like skipping from yes. room to room. He skips into the room where Kylie Minogue is doing science experiments. And of course, as in all of these movies, hot women are just utterly charmed by these complete, like, infantile idiots. Yeah. That's the thing about Polly Shore's performance in this movie. I really want to stress every single action, d- bit of dialogue, movement is delivered not like a human acts. No. He sings things. But it's important to note, this is a departure for him. Because <laughs> he wasn't the weasel at this stage. He's the squirrel. He's the squirrel. With quite a bit that's of difference. A, that's, that's a different rodent class altogether. That's evolution, man. <laughs> this is the squirrel. So like I said, he skips in while Kylie Minogue is doing science experiments, pinches her on the butt, yes. at which point she fillets a carrot. Yep. I wrote the exact <laughs> Kylie <laughs> fillets a carrot. So their girlfriends get wind of this now. But how do their girlfriends get wind of it? Taylor Negron shows up. Taylor Negron. All the comedy store players who couldn't get other gigs are there. <laughs> Taylor Negron shows up to help be her stepdad and yes. deliver that. He's watching the news. He finds out their boyfriends are in the biodome. Yeah. And who delivers the news? A man who will be showing up several times in this movie, Joachim West. <laughs> news reporter Joachim West. Not his only appearance in this movie. So they play it to the girlfriends as though this is them showing that they're environmentally conscious. Because yeah. remember, this story is out that they're part of this experiment, which, boy, these are really dumb women to... Yeah, these are the guys who smacked each other with a book (laughs) to get out of going to Earth Day. But your boyfriends, this entire time we're preparing for like the biggest science experiment. Fuck. American history. (laughs) But their girlfriends are way into it. Yeah. So they're like licking the glass uh, between the windows. They're making out on the glass and groping the glass. uh, And yeah. And their girlfriends, like we said, are played by Joanne Lauren Adams and another actress you've never seen in anything else. <laughs> and for good reason, because you can see her kind of count down one, two, three. My dialogue. <laughs> Back in the biodome, William Atherton says, we've successfully completed day one of the biodome. <laughs> this is day two. We've already had a sequence where they went to sleep. <laughs> 
first full day though. Oh, full okay. day. Full, first full at day the first the night. First first day. Gotcha. They celebrate with some food, soy casserole, which what? is like Bleh. you're gonna tell me those guys don't react well to that. They also occasionally have flashbacks. Oh yeah. Patty Hearst plays Bud's mom, and Do- she essentially raised Doyle as well. Do you remember when '90s stunt casting of Patty Hearst was a thing? That was a thing. John Waters <laughs> movies. Crazy. Patty Hearst was a regular. Started her whole career, man. Ugh. So yeah, they have a flashback to them smelling each other's farts. And that's that. We should also say the Da 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 song. Oh, that's right. By Trio, the da, early eighties. Da 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 da. Dong dong. The Jetta song. Yeah, exactly. The Jetta song. That gets played every time Henry Gibson comes in and talks to to the boys. They have like a <laughs> brainstorming session together because the boy, the guys are getting really popular, and so they want to do this thing where they have like anatomically correct action figures of them and yeah. all this merchandising and stuff. And anytime this happens, the Da 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 song plays. It must play like five times during this movie. When you're saying they're popular, you mean they get front page <laughs> above the fold of a, the newspapers that they're in the biodome with bikini-clad scientists. When's the last time you saw science news front page above the fold? Life on Mars wouldn't get front page above the fold. <laughs> This starts a, a long montage where they're just basically fucking around. Just they're dancing around. They're goofing off. Bungee jumping. It's just there's unf- a hide and seek game where there's a nerdy scientist. There, a nerdy male scientist, and they essentially just trash all of his rare butterflies and they kill all of his butterflies and yeah. they or they let them all go. They just trash this whole thing. And w- at one point, I think it's that character who describes it and really aptly describes. Not only them, but the film as, quote, a nonstop moronathon. <laughs> That's about as perfect a description. Should have been as on possible. the poster, <laughs> right? So we also briefly see Rose McGowan in a really, one of her first roles, I would guess. She's, Probably. This is like 1996. This is before Scream. You see her come up and walk, talk to one of the two roles that she didn't get. Uh, <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> you could tell that she was going to be uh, Doyle's girlfriend. She was probably supposed to be brunette. Uh, we did get another Joe Kim West show up because uh, that guy just he brings the news for the Arizona tri-state area. It's the Tucson area. Fucking Joe Kim West, thank you, pal. So there's a bit, and this will kind of come back later. Where, as I said, they were playing hide and seek, and they trashed this room where this guy's keeping all his rare butterflies. Uh, but they string up all this flypaper inside the biodome, mm-hmm. and they catch them all, which of course kills them all. And they also catch rare birds. Yeah, the all these. This uh, is this is the part of the movie I hated the most. Just this middle fucking 30, 45 minutes of it's just the dumb shit they do in the biodome, and it kind of crescendos with the scene where. They're locked in their room because everyone's just gotten so irritated with them that they've locked them away, at which point they crawl through the ventilation system. And in like every movie, ventilation systems are large enough for adults to crawl through. (laughs) (laughs) That's right. Two men side by side. Side by side. It's like it's needed a lot of room for this air to go through. (laughs) Make room for air. But they land in a, a storage closet, and they find some kind of store of junk food, which... It all says radioactive on the, the canisters. But they open it up, and it's all just Cheetos and candy and stuff like that, which they proceed to pour on each other's heads. They eat like you haven't... You don't know what like food they is. They just are, like, dumping Cheetos on each other's heads and, like, smashing it into their mouths. Why was this food brought in? I don't know. Who brought this in? Who brought this in? So they... They find this junk food, but then they also find laughing gas. Yeah. Which 
gets a blue velvet reference, which I mean, good on them for get for the blue velvet reference. I mean, I would not have thought that they would. Why get was that. the junk food brought in, and why was the nitrous oxide? <laughs> I was like, someone was have, gonna have a fucking party. Why man. were they put in the same room? <laughs> So there's a, bl- a blue velvet reference. They start slapping each other. They're tearing the place apart. They're throwing hypodermic needles at each other, at each other like darts, swinging these uh, tanks of nitrous oxide around. And they're caught by the scientists and effectively banished to the desert yeah. pretty much to die. Yeah, pretty much. William Atherton says, nope, we're putting you out to the desert. The other scientists are like, eh, you know, they're kind of with it at first as as maybe just to punish them, but they, they relent very quickly, although William Atherton is like, no, yeah. no. So while they're out in the desert, and while we're having burps and farts as laugh tracks, <laughs> sound effects being played, they have the confession scene where they pour out each other's the confessions because they're going to die. Oh, right, yeah. And this is the one scene I think was a kind of crafted, like build up to one joke in the scene. They're confessing these great things, and then... Then they don't, but whatever. But this is the kind of dialogue that's funny to nine-year-olds, I think, where everything has some reference, like the great chipmunk fire of 1989. (laughs) Chipmunk being the operative funny word in that, right? Great fire of 1989, that's not funny, but chipmunk, you throw that word in there, that's funny to a nine-year-old. I'm laughing. You are laughing, you (laughs) nine-year-old. So as they're at... (laughs) Right. This is the best di- this is the best screenwriting ever. If you want to study this movie if you're taking a screenwriting class, study this movie. As they're at their lowest point seemingly, giving up all hope, they're about to die. They just look up and go, "Hey, there's a key in the window." <laughs> there's a key. <laughs> there's a key stuck in the window of the biodome. <laughs> Someone left a key. <laughs> this is supposed to be like the most secure thing like no one can break that no one can even break down the door to get in there. Yeah. But there's just like a key on the window. Because <laughs> think about that: someone locked it from the inside, then <laughs> had to the walk inside. through the other end exit. <laughs> High uh. tech stuff. Key in the window. But they crawl out, and they're like, "Okay, let's escape." They go to their car, which the, of course is covered in parking tickets. Which this whole sequence, even <laughs> Baldwin reacts to. They run up with their car, and they're like, oh, my God, parking tickets. Stephen Baldwin literally, like, runs, leaps onto the hood of the car and dives onto it, screaming, parking tickets! Throwing dozens of parking tickets, and then Polly Shore notices a boot There's on the car. There's a boot on the car. Nobody towed the car that's been in this parking lot for 30 days. <laughs> they just put a bunch of parking tickets and a boot on it. But this is where I kind of real I, I, I really started to admire that... Man, these guys are not going to relent. They are not going to relent. They're not going to stop and wink at the audience and 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 act like they're all good. Like this is just going to be go for broke all the way. It may be the performance, but this movie is so unfathomably hateable because when, after they find out they can't leave their car, they've left the biodome by way of a key lift. And who pulls up? <laughs> Taylor Negron. Taylor Negron. Well, they order a pizza. Yeah, but he's their the delivery guy. And he's a very expository pizza <laughs> delivery guy. Because he tells them, hey, your girlfriends, my stepdaughter, is going to a party. How does the fuck does he know? Now, there's all these guys who are going to be there. At which point, Stephen Baldwin says... Remember, they think that these they, their girlfriends are going out with swimmers. <laughs> he says, quote, Our chicks are swapping Mark Spitz with those grape smugglers. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, come on, Corky! Could he not reference the chipmunk fire of 1989 in there? <laughs> 
So they decide that their girlfriends are, are going to go to this environmental party that's on campus. The only way to get them back. Throw a bigger environmental party at the biodome. At the biodome. And here's the thing. How do they start this? They call their good buddy Roach, who, thank God, we met him for 10 seconds earlier in the movie, because otherwise we would have been lost <laughs> about knowing that their friend Roach works at a copy center so they can make flyers. They don't explain how the biodome works. They don't explain any of that, but they explain, they really need to explain how they needed to make this party how popular. How did we get copies? <laughs> and who is Roach? <laughs> their girlfriends are at this Outdoor environmental awareness festival where everyone's giving each other shoulder rubs with these guys, these two guys who are pretending to be environmentalists in order to hit on them. Much like their boyfriends. And Tenacious D, yeah, exactly right. But yeah, these guys are bad and whatever. Yeah. So, but Tenacious D is playing and they're dressed up as hippies doing their thing. And I guess this is like the first um, on screen. Again. Polly Shore, growing up as the son of Mitzi Shore, owner of the comedy store, knew a bunch of comedians of who were actually funny and was able to put them in movies. <laughs> and be not funny. <laughs> everyone at the same time gets wind. There's a badass party going down at the Biodome, that, which, which wait, everyone just runs away from this party that's happening on campus. Again, the logic line in this movie, I'm willing to go with you on certain things, but the party that's at the Biodome, the scientists... Are surprised by the They're whole just world. Like, what? The whole world knows about this party. The party has stage lights, yeah, uh, spotlights. <laughs> there's a sound system. There's a band there's playing. A, there's tiki there's torches. Lights everywhere. Hawaiian tropic girls. This would have taken a team of forty people <laughs> and a day to set up. Like, Wait, what? what? There's huh? a party going on. But yeah, there's just hundreds, thousands of people there. There's some really shitty punk band playing. Brett, Bud and Doyle enter on a float, and their girlfriends are super pissed because yeah. remember their girlfriends love that environment, and these guys are trashing the freaking biodome. Uh, they actually they, tell them, "quote You're killing the biodome." At which point, we get a zoom on an extreme close-up of Doctor Faulkner, who is like glaring at them from like behind a shrub or something. Where did like that, that shot come <laughs> from? So amazing! It's a slow zoom because he's now handcuffed to a tree. It's a slow zoom in on his eyes. As the script now tells you that the boys need to feel guilty about killing the biodome. They've given not a shit this entire time. Oh my god, it's so good. The next morning, the girlfriends are cleaning up and the guys are, are actually feeling guilty because they're like, well, we'll do it. But they're like, no, you, you, we can't trust you. And uh... Their girls have went from complete adoration to fucking hating and never wanting to see them again. And I like that this was the deciding factor for them. Right. This was the point where these girls, these guys who smell each other's farts and try to guess what, <laughs> guess what they ate. Yeah. These girls now think... They finally feel shame. This is the line. And everyone's about to leave the biodome. The homeostasis is... They ruined the, the homeostasis. It's Remember, that's like, a thing. It's a 1%. It's now. at like 1% or something like Everybody's that. Everybody's just walking through the biodome. Everyone's just leaving. All the scientists are ready to leave. But Doyle stops them and gives an inspirational speech and then swallows the key... Because remember, there's just a key to get out. <laughs> there's like one key. It's like, what the fuck? I like, they were about to walk out the front door, weren't they? No, they were going to walk out the back door. They were oh, all I packing see. their bags. There's a guy who Henry Gibson showed up. Because for some reason now, Henry Gibson's really pissed. William Atherton disappears. Dr. Faulkner just kind of... Well, he's, he's sort of like watching them. Because after Doyle swallows the key, one of the scientists says, We're all going to die! 
And then you see William Atherton again, kind of hiding behind a shrub and smirking. Yeah, right. Henry Gibson has this guy who with him who's not Richard Mazur, but looks a lot like Richard Mazur. <laughs> always with him. And this guy, there's there's another scene earlier where the extra work. I, I'm a fan of extra work. The scene where at the the big announcement of the biodome, watch the extra work in that one, yeah. and then watch Richard Mazur, not Richard Mazur's extra work. The guy fucking nails it. So as you were talking about, we're seeing news stories throughout this entire throughout this entire film, kind of popping in and, and catching us up on what's from Joachim West. Biodome from Joachim West. So Corky, do you want to describe what happens in this next scene? This news this news story. Okay, so this next news bit of expository news story shows up, but not Joachim West. It's Ari's West, <laughs> the guy who's at the front desk. I like to imagine that these guys are brothers. Just tag team and local Tucson news. <laughs> Ari's West is at the desk, and he explains that they there's a standoff at the Biodome. They've actually locked themselves in. Then we cut to them on scene, and Joachim West is there interviewing <laughs> Taylor Negron. But you left a, a key element out, Quirky. You left oh. a key element out. Well, when you set me up, let me know the things you want me to talk about, and I'll hit those points. But we finally had the Joachim West and Taylor Negron together scene. Oh, I mean... The one we've all been waiting for. Right. It's like it's the De Niro Pacino heat scene. <laughs> but what's funny about that scene is that they're watching something on TV, and basically throughout this entire movie, every time a, a TV is on, they're talking about the biodome. That's right. right they're yeah. giving plot points, which is what TV news does in all every movie, is they talk about what's happening to the characters. TV the news, above the fold uh, headline news on pa- newspapers. Exactly. So in this one, it seems like the news is on, and something's happening at the biodome. Uh, at which point we get this really long story about a murdered clown. Oh, that's right. <laughs> I, I forgot about Where that. This guy, he's just talking about how this clown was just murdered right outside of a store or something like that. And they keep showing it. Back into the left. And they keep showing it in slow motion of this clown just getting shot in the, in the chest right on the street. So they do that for about 30 seconds or so. And then it's finally like, okay, now let's go to the biodome. It's our second JFK assassination <laughs> joke, which in 1996, eh, you're about 33 years past the prevalence of it. Yeah, but just five years past the movie JFK. Oh, that's right, because all things are just based on... <laughs> so this is just slightly, slightly out of I take. imagine Pauly Shore and Stephen Baldwin didn't know JFK was an actual president, and they just... It's like that movie. It's like that one movie, man. <laughs> So homeostasis is at 1%, which they – so they have to bring up the homeostasis, okay? So now we're, we have the reverse ticking clock. Because it's now at we're 14% gonna, now. It's at 1%. Oh, sorry. 14 1%. days of life. So That's they right. would need to bring it up to 100% before the end of the year. So That's they right. start reviving the plant life. Outside, there's people are trying to get in. Henry Gibson is trying to get his team in to get everybody out of the bio. So, okay, so – how are they going to get the homeostasis back up to 100%? Well, they got to revive the plant life. No. no. They need a safety dance montage. <laughs> they need a safety dance. A montage set to the safety dance. Team. Yeah. So there's people outside trying to get in. They're doing their siege tactics, which is playing loud music, which they play safety dance, which, of course, these guys love it. And it's all a great of song. The, every scientist is just jumping around. and Doing it, it, the safety dance. They're doing the safety dance. They're reviving the plant life. They do something where they take all the aluminum cans and they make some kind of a net out of it, and that's going to reflect light onto the plants. The At this point, the scientists now have no idea how to fix the biodome, but Squirrel and Stubby do. They show them all the ways through their party bro tactics. 
Meanwhile, every time we cut outside, there are giant crowds outside. Yes. There are like hundreds of people. <laughs> it's implied that they're there for an entire they year. They are staying there and they're holding up signs. Everybody's got a sign, it, but suspiciously all written in the same handwriting on the same pieces of paper. And these signs say things like, eat more fish. You guys don't suck. <laughs> Meanwhile, Dr. Faulkner... That's William Atherton is losing his mind. He's he's hiding away somewhere. He's grown a long beard. He's been vandalizing things. He writes at one point, "I still dream." <laughs> it's it's like a real uh, portal where the uh, the cake is a lie thing. He's just scrolling shit on walls, <laughs> living in rat holes. He creates a bomb out of an egg. He has a parrot with him because science. The parrot. Is saying, I am God. I am God. Uh, William Atherton throws a bomb, an egg bomb, and says, No, I am God. In the next scene with Atherton, he's wearing the parrot's feathers as a headdress, eating little chicken wings, little chicken wing thinking things, and again says, No, I am God. I got this. Then cuts to him emerging out of the water, Apocalypse Now style. <laughs> it's like the scene of Martin in Apocalypse Now, where he just his head comes out of the smoky water. Yeah. Oh, man. Fuck. It's a real journey he goes there, on. <laughs> the best acting in this whole movie was him talking to a fake parrot, saying, I am God. That was the so best great. acting in this it whole really movie. It really was. Just put William Atherton in a room with a parrot and just see what happens, man. For some reason, Henry Gibson doesn't like all the popularity. This guy was selling... Toys about the two guys he was making action, anatomically correct action figures, and now all of a sudden he's high and mighty. He's saying, like, "I hate this." Yeah, yeah, it doesn't make any sense. So of this is the point where I just wrote really big because they're 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 bringing the safety dance montage happens. They're bringing the homeostasis. Yeah, back we up. see the number. The number is trending up. Do, 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 do. They're being they're local heroes, and I just wrote, "Please, please do not reward these two fucking mm-hmm. dicks mm-hmm. with the sexy scientists." But but what happens? They're rewarded with the sexy scientists. The sexy scientists come in. Remember, they've paired off because of uh, sexual assault. Yes, they are paired off into couples, and they both come. The the Bud and Doyle are in their room in bed together. And the but scientists come in, and they're really turned on because of the environment. Yeah, their environmentalism. <laughs> because now these guys they don't are still- they don't come across that a lot in their field. Men who are interested in the environment. <laughs> <laughs> So they're like, when you see something like that, you kind of got to jump on it. So they straight up jump their bones. Yes. Jump their freaking bones. And not only do they jump their bones, do they like corner them separately? No. No, the sexy scientists jump on them right next to each other like, let's just go at it in this one freaking bed. In the jan. No, they're not even in a bed. They're, they're in, in a janitor's, janitor's closet. closet. <laughs> William Baldwin is sleeping with a trash bag as his blanket. <laughs> But here's but, the thing, Bud. Polly Shore is so fucking gross. This is a thing. This is a. Th- I've seen three Polly Shore movies, and he's done it in each one. He he grabs Kylie Minogue's ass and like gr- gropes, almost Does putting it. his finger in a little his- too much. Yes, and it cuts away real quick. Like she's like, "Nope, cut, stop." <laughs> and then it cuts back to B- Stephen Baldwin tongue kissing, uh, not Kylie. Not Minogue. Kylie Minogue. Yeah. But- so uh, Polly Shore, you're gross. So Bud decides to stop it. Uh, he's no, 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 no. We have girlfriends on on the outside. Yeah. Um, I let this go exactly far enough. Yeah. So we're. Gonna I stop did it. sexually assault you our first night in here, <laughs> exactly. but I have a girlfriend. But now you're trying to. Uh, mm. That's not okay. So they run into William Atherton on what is? I, I think it's the last day. How do they run into him though? <laughs> 
it's th- some of the great key in the window dia- uh, key in the window <laughs> screenwriting. Hey, a secret hatch. <laughs> they just open up a panel and there's a hatch back there. And there's William Anderson and he is setting all of these coconut bombs. He's taken all these coconuts and turned them into bombs. He tells them, quote, I have a lovely sack of coconuts. <laughs> uh, and it's kind of a, I wouldn't say it's funny. It's one, something that should be funny. But essentially, they, they help him set up all these bombs. He actually tells them, these are bombs, and I'm going to blow this place up. They help him set all these bombs. He leaves. They still don't realize that they're bombs. They, it does, they don't realize it until Polly Shore takes one out and throws it like a football over Stephen Baldwin, <laughs> and it blows up. There's a scene in there when they're saying goodbye to William Atherton, and he bids them adieu. You see Stephen Baldwin tries to riff. On, he's like, there he goes into the wobble, and Paulie Shore like shushes him, <laughs> and they left it in the movie. <laughs> the director at this point was like, "Fuck it, I don't Great. give a fuck, Fantastic. I don't care." Good, <laughs> I'm barely paying attention. So they realize they've set bombs all over the biodome just as they're about to leave the biodome. They brought the homeostasis back to 100%. So this starts a chase where William Atherton is chased throughout the biodome. Yeah, Paulie Shore is chasing him. At one point, Stephen Baldwin runs off. And it's like, okay, I'll do a thing. Uh, they're chased and launched into this giant sheet of flypaper, which remember the flypaper right. from earlier. So that comes back again. They're launched into the flypaper, and they're all stuck in the flypaper. Polly Shore grabs the detonator and with one second left stops the detonator. Yeah, because all while this is happening, you're hearing this voiceover saying, destruction sequence activated. Because, of course, yeah. the biodome has a destruction <laughs> sequence. That's good planning. Every creator knows how to rig a destruction sequence into his own creation. And hey, just, I mean, heads up to evil people in movies. You're going to set off bombs. The detonator, it's not necessary. It's just something the hero is going to chase after and try to take from you. Honestly, clock even, beeping noises, not necessary. Set the bomb, let it go off. Do it in silence. That's my motto. You you set up everything else. surreptitiously <laughs> don't announce the plan at the end so again there's this fight over the detonator polisher grabs it he stops it with one second left and they're heroes the crowd is gathered outside i don't know if you noticed but rose mcgowan's character is pregnant no i didn't notice that she's pregnant all of a sudden it's not there's nothing there about i didn't even see her again all. but yeah she's in that crowd that's waiting outside of the biodome and she's pregnant for some it's a reason. day of work good for you they're about to come out and Boom, William Matherton pops out again. He has one last bomb. He throws it. There's a big explosion right out of the door of the biodome. And guess what? That explosion matters <laughs> not at all. Not at Everybody all. Everybody's totally okay. Walk right out of the smoke. They got a little smudge on them here and there, but they walk right out of the smoke. Everybody hugs, and they all drive off. At the end of the movie, no, because Bud and Doyle are driving with their girlfriends. Everybody's heading off into the sunset, but... Doyle's got to go to the bathroom again. Uh-oh. Can, can he, he cork, cork it? it? Nope. Can't cork it. Negatory. So let's stop right over here at this nuclear power plant. <laughs> That's so crazy. <laughs> and that is not the end of the movie. Because no. then the last shot is Dr. Faulkner in the desert, part of the biodome. And we hear voices saying he went this way or that way. And he just runs off. Yeah, there's no stuff. other actors paid for that day. You just hear vo- sound. That's all VO. Vo- yeah. yeah, it's all VO. <laughs> hey, th- where is he? I don't see him. How'd he get the key? And he's just kind of like hightailing through the desert. Like, whoop, 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 who
And that's the end of the movie. Although over the credits, I should say, remember Safety Dance, a really awful electronic a re what do, you, what do you call it a, a remix a remix of a uh, mid nineties Safety nat- Dance. Ugh, oh yeah, boy, it's terrible. It's god awful. So that's not a way to go out. But Corky, yeah, did I talk you into it? <laughs> take that as a yes. <laughs> But that is your movie. That is Biodome. Biodome, nineteen ninety six. Anything to add about Biodome before we give our ratings? Well, quirky? I we skipped over the part where the Rochambeau really pays off. So at the end, Stephen Baldwin Rochambeau's <laughs> William Faulkner. <laughs> William Faulkner. That would be amazing. <laughs> Sorry, that would be. Amazing. I mix William Atherton and Noah Faulkner. Totally rewrites as I lay dying. Like, <laughs> it's all just Rochambeau now. All of a sudden, the biodome's <laughs> full of a southern family, <laughs> and he doesn't do rock, and that's. It's delivered with a shot, reverse shot of Polly Shore going, paper, reserved <laughs> those scissors. That's it. It's like the payoff was so not existent. <laughs> right. Yeah, he does paper and Atherton does scissors or something like yeah, that. Yeah. It was just, it's, it, that would be funny if we even cared about the whole Rochambeau sure. thing from the beginning, but. Uh. <laughs> Anyway, no, nothing more to add than that. Nothing to add. All right, well, let's wrap it up and give our ratings. Uh, Run-of-the-mill bad film, we give a dare. Next level bad, double dare. Movie we actually kind of like. Reverse dare. Corgi, your rating for Biodome. Do I even have to? I mean, do I even have to? Because, like I said, you know Biodome. If you've lived on this earth for uh, 10 years or so, you know that this is a movie you stay away from. You know this is a movie that is awful. (laughs) It's, It's like the cliche terrible movie it's a double fucking dare utterly unlikable and contemptible oh absolutely and yet i went for it ah daniel no it's still bad though okay it's still incredibly incredibly irritating but again as i was saying before i admire just go for broke essentially a, a movie that is putting its head down and trying to smash through a wall and yeah it's not gonna smash through is gonna get a concussion it, it's forever going to be uh, not able to finish sentences and uh, stammering and things like that, and uh, we'll lose all motor skills eventually. But right, I admire it for that. I admire it for the go. Don't do it, dude. So I'm just going to go straight dare. Okay, good, 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 good. <laughs> Thought you were going to fucking uh, Martin Scorsese Exorcist to me here with this one. <laughs> one of these days, I'm just going to say one on Metacritic. That's a little low. <laughs> this is double figures at least least alright that abysmal retelling of a horrible movie is all we have for you on this episode of Dare Daniel but we'll be back in two weeks to review another of your movie dares until then send your most sadistic or altruistic movie dares to us at daredaniel.com be sure to follow Dare Daniel Pod on Facebook Twitter and Instagram like and rate us on iTunes or wherever you listen to podcasts you can read more of my movie reviews at daredaniel.com. Corky, where can people find more of your work? Oh, well, you can find me in the rainforest region of the Biodome. I'll be doing uh, three nights. <laughs> 365 nights. 300, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Boy, did I fucking get jobbed on this job. <laughs> I'll be at the Sacramento Comedy Spot performance Saturdays with my team, Anti-Cooperation League, and you can catch me also with MRI, Masters of Rap Improv. Awesome. That's awesome. Thank you. I'm into it. Congratulations. Everybody, (laughs) 
Congratulations. For Dear Daniel, I'm Daniel Barnes. Our producer is Johnny Mustache Ride Flores. <laughs> and I'm Corky McDonald saying, it's been one week. That doesn't even have anything to do with the movie. <laughs>